this is Mike with political theory and um, other stuff. Today's episode is, if not the first, one of the first episodes we recorded. The edits are rough. Sound quality is not ideal. Paul is really, really good at trailing off as he talks. He's really, really good at trailing off at the end of his sentences. He just loses steam. It's like the opposite of the little engine that could. So I guess the little engine that couldn't or can't. That sounds sad. But we also do some rambling, too. So that's good. And although all those things are true, we have a really good time. There is a word of the day, so look for it. We leave that sort of stuff in there because we want it to be clear that we are learning as we go. And I don't think people should be ashamed of, of learning. Um, I think it's a good thing. The rambling is next level. The cuts are rough. Paul trails off. The audio quality is not the best. But the article kills. And, you know... I think we say some interesting stuff about it. I hope that y'all enjoy the episode. Um, let's talk about this this uh, between the devil and the Green New Deal article uh, yeah. by Jasper Burns, which came out for twenty five of twenty nineteen. Is a uh, picture from space of the Bayan Oboe Mine in China. Uh, where currently 70% of the world's rare earth minerals are extracted and refined, that coming straight from the article. Uh, and basically the tagline and point of this article is that we cannot legislate and spend our way out of catastrophic global warming, um, which I agree with wholeheartedly. Uh, so what this article to me covers a lot of is just the pitfalls of any sort of environmental proposal uh, that relies on capitalism as the societal foundation um, for whatever energy source uh, that we require at this point. So just to meet the demands of the proposed Green New Deal, uh, I think when this article was written, maybe it had uh, a little more, some more legs behind it than it currently does. To me right now, the Green New Deal is like an idealistic proposal, or is viewed as an idealistic proposal in America that will probably be pretty hard to push through with you know our current our current economic state uh, but to meet the demands of the green new deal which proposes to convert the u.s economy to zero emissions renewable power by 2030 there will be a lot more of these mines gouged into the crust of the earth that's because nearly every renewable energy source depends upon non-renewable and frequently hard to access minerals solar panels use indium turbines use neodymium batteries use lithium and all require kilotons of steel tin, silver, and copper. The renewable energy supply chain is a complicated hopscotch around the periodic table and around the world. To make a high-capacity solar panel, one might need copper, atomic number 29 from Chile, indium, 49 from Australia, gallium, 31 from China, and selenium, 34 from Germany. Many of the most efficient direct-drive wind turbines require a couple pounds of the rare earth metal neodymium, and I'm so sorry, I don't know if I'm pronouncing these words even close to correct, and there's 140 pounds of lithium in each Tesla. I think that's a pretty decent um, place to stop. Um, just to talk about 
kind of the impact of what all of that means. So, you know, not only are these things super destructive to pull out of the ground, uh, destructive to the areas around them, destructive to the people that have to participate in that sort of work. Also, with those materials being that spread out around the world, you know, it's not like we're going to make an instant jump to renewable energy everywhere. So the fossil fuel expenditure just to get these items to where they need to be to be manufactured uh, on top of all of, you know, the fossil fuel requirements to mine them uh, seems pretty daunting to me. And obviously, these aren't a one-time make thing, like you make them and then everybody's going to have the same solar panel for the rest of their life. Or even with the concept of planned obsolescence uh, and the current corporations view most consumers, target goal with most products in my head, from my anecdotal experience these days, has strayed far away from like lifetime guarantees and this product will get you through for, you know, until you're dead. Um, more has to now we're like, well, every two years, shit, dude, these solar panels are twice as good. And shit, dude, this battery stores 50% more energy. Uh, obviously, I have to rebuy them. Brings up a whole other thing that I'm sure we'll get into. But just then what do you do with all of this fucking rare earth trash? Um, some of it, I'm sure, can be recycled. But at what cost is that as well? The, the article then covers a lot of kind of just the downfalls of mining like how terrible it is to mine. The next section, I'll, I'll pick out some, um, they refer to this kind of large mine in a French company town, Germinal, it's capped with coal burning smokestacks and the mine is both maize and minotaur all in one, crouching like some evil beast at the bottom of its lair, puffing and panting in increasingly slow, deep bursts as if it were struggling to digest its meal of human flesh. Monsters are products of the earth in classical mythology, children of Gaia born from the caves and hunted down by a cruel race of civilizing sky gods. But in capitalism, what's monstrous is earth is animated by those civilizing energies. In exchange for these terrestrial treasures used to power trains, ships, and factories, a whole class of people is thrown into the pits. The warming earth teems with such monsters of our own making, monsters of drought and migration, famine, and storm. And, to, and renewable energy is no refuge, really, uh, which I think is kind of know, the thesis. Yeah, the thesis. And I have an internal panic when I think about these things um, because I feel like our society uh, as a whole, and I, when I say our, I'm always referring to the United States and or the places that I've lived in the United States, I feel like we view this as like a saving grace. Like as long as we can get to this new deal, we're going to be fine. If we can reach this step, then all these catastrophic things that we have caused in the last hundred years, uh, we can start to move away from that. Uh, and I think this article really does a great job demonstrating like mm, things will be better. Um, but to say that this is a, a fix to the problems that the current industrial society um, causes uh, would be a great exaggeration. And uh, I'm going to reference a conversation we had outside of this forum, but you know, like you said, it's a stopgap really. Like we yeah. can't, depend on this Green New Deal to pull us into 500 years into the future of uh, successful human societies where, uh, you know, we're drinking clean water and fucking everybody has enough food to eat and shit. Uh, is obviously going to uh, cause, you know, uh, just an extension of the Industrial Revolution where possibly the highlight being that less people are negatively affected. But we still are setting this up as often goes with capitalism where we're looking that the solution to a plan is, is literally uh, sacrificial. We're literally fine often when things 
buy-in culture and stuff is presented with human sacrifice. It's just so barbaric. Uh, but as long as you're sacrificing people in the name of profit and shit, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. We don't care about that. Kind of fucked up. Yeah. Um, Big time. Kind of highlight how bad um, these rare earth mines are. Um, the article starts talking about uh, something it refers to as death villages, uh, where crops will not fruit. The region of Inner Mongolia, where the Bayan Oboe, once again, who knows if I'm saying that right, uh, Bayan Oboe mine is located, displays Chernobyl-esque cancer rates. Uh, but then again, the death villages are already here. More of them are coming if we don't do something about climate change. What matter is a dozen death villages when the half of the earth may be rendered uninhabitable? What matter the gray skies over Inner Mongolia if the alternative is turning the sky in endless white with sulfuric aerosols, his last-ditch geoengineering scenarios imagined? Once again, every situation that we're in right now seems like society has let things get so far um, that almost anything we can do just feels catastrophic. And then comes into a, a utilitarian equation, I guess. And I, I don't know how to... Triage. Triage, yeah, good call you know, from a large picture, I can see like, yeah, these are better. Um, but I fucking call a person that lives in inner Mongolia, uh, and tell them that this plan is awesome and that they just need to fucking go along with it. I, I don't think they could, man. I really don't. I think I could look another human being in the eye and be like, your sacrifice will be worth it. Uh, I will be fucking browsing Wikipedia articles like a boss because of you. I really appreciate that. Don't worry. We'll make a podcast about you. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> <laughs> We've got you covered. We've got you covered. <laughs> God damn it. God I know, damn it. I know. Um, it's so crazy. And it is, it's just such, such a shitty situation to be put in. You know, I think the hard part with all of this discussing any of these sorts of things is that the complicated nature behind it is you know, vast to a point that I can't even understand it. I mean, the inner workings of energy demands and, you know, weighing like how much value do modern conveniences. And when I mean convenience, I don't just mean trivial things like my phone in my pocket and shit like that. I mean, I mean, being able to provide a lot of healthcare in your home, having, uh, you know, motorized wheelchairs and having dialysis machines and things of that nature. Those like my grandmother can take her blood pressure uh, exactly. like fucking every morning, you know, or right. as often as she wants to. And like, obviously, I see the value. I appreciate um, how much that has extended people that I life. Realistically, I have done some stupid things in the past that uh, my life would be much, much different if it wasn't for modern medical equipment available. You know, if I couldn't have had surgery on my yep and all that sort of stuff, I'd be a gimp today. You know, I have an unbelievable appreciation for all of those things. And then I guess for me, the other side is like, I've only been talking about humans. I personally feel the natural world has not gained anything from these interactions. Uh, it then kind of skips into, you know, we've talked about the death villages. We've talked about the Green New Deal's goal of 2030. So talk about like that goal is already not achievable because we haven't started any of this stuff. It says it's not clear. It's not clear we can even get enough of this stuff out of the ground. However, given the time frame, zero emissions 2030 would mean mines producing now, not in five or 10 years. The race to bring new supply online is likely to be ugly in more ways than one. Has slipshod producers the cash in on the price bonanza, cutting every corner and setting up mines that are dangerous, unhealthy, and not particularly green. Mines require a massive outlay of investment up front, and they typically feature 
low return on investment, except during the sort of commodity boom we can expect a Green New Deal to produce. It can be a decade or more before the sources are developed and another decade before they turn a profit. That is also just filled with a crazy amount of shit. I'm going to tangent a little bit, uh, but one thing it makes me think of that's not explicitly talked about there, um, you know, obviously this highlights a mine in China. One aspect of this is like coal mines are fucking garbage and shitty no matter where. Uh, but I would say that a coal mine in Germany and a coal mine in the U.S. probably a lot safer to work in than a coal mine in China or a coal mine in Mongolia. You know, Let's look at the death rates in them. Yeah. To my knowledge, a lot of this rare earth um, will be um, centered in places that don't have any sort of labor regulations. So the cost will be, I think, a lot higher than we can even picture as Americans in this day and age. Um, as far as like environmental degradation and yeah. loss of human yeah. life. Yeah, there will be no uh, environmental panels. Uh, I would assume there won't be environmental panels and like strict regulations that these people have to go through, especially, hopefully I'm wrong, but I would be willing to bet that a lot of people who start these mines uh, won't be doing it out of like altruistic good, like, holy shit, we need to get Green New Deal started. It will be done out of, holy shit, I can make a lot of money on this pretty quick. That's not usually a, a good result. The counting emissions in national boundaries, in other words, is like counting. Oh, okay. So this is just like how national boundaries don't right. matter. We're talking about like pollution isn't going to be like, holy fuck, dude, we've reached the Chinese border. Really need to slow down. Get permission to enter Russia, so we're just gonna chill here for a bit until uh, we get our visas in line and shit. That's a great point. And th this is actually one of the things uh, our boy Destiny brings up is how oftentimes the pollution produced in one area doesn't impact that area. It's like <laughs> the area downstream or the area downwind or whatever. How that makes this even more challenging because. It's not always like the community that cr creates the pollution is the community most impacted by it. Right. And yeah, it just also brings up the point, like, I think, yeah, yeah, exactly what we were just saying, like the U.S. hitting carbon emission goals at the cost of India and China, you know, fucking going the exact opposite way with carbon emission goals um, is not a net positive. Uh, unfortunately... Uh, nationalism seems to be one of those fucking things that is just ingrained into a bunch of fucking people that I find reasonable in a lot of other <laughs> capacities, I guess. Uh, just going on, Consolidating Scientific Opinion, the most recent Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report projects that biofuels are going to be used in these cases for construction, for industry, and for transport, wherever motors can't be easily electrified. Biofuels put carbon into the air, but it's carbon that was already absorbed by growing plants. So the net emissions are zero. Um, the problem is that growing biofuels requires land otherwise devoted to crop or carbon absorbing wilderness. Uh, they are among the they are least dense power sources. You would need a dozen acres to fill the tank of a single intercontinental gent. Uh, emissions are only the most prominent aspect of a broader ecological crisis. Human habitation, pasture, and industry branching through the remaining wilderness in the most profligate and destructive manner has sent shockwaves through the plant and animal kingdoms. I think we already talked about a little bit of this. I jumped the gun, um, so I uh, do apologize about that. Um, and it also answered one of the questions that I brought up earlier. I swear I read this article. I, my memory is shit, I guess. But my thing of using you know, fossil fuels, obviously they are suggesting they use biofuels. 
but then there's also a, a whole other issue that I uh, that we haven't talked about yet, which is obviously agriculture is generally not easy on the environment either, especially with current agricultural methods. And once again, I'm making a lot of assumptions, but I doubt that uh, we will be farming in a like sustainable, sustainable with soil rotation, sustainable with water sources. It's another thing that hammers to me that like, fuck, dude, we've gotten ourselves into a mess that is maybe uh, not cleanable with anything that we currently, any societal structure that we currently uh, have going on, to my knowledge. In the world. Emissions, I forgot about this, but this is like important. Emissions are only the most prominent aspect of a broader e ecological crisis. You know, it goes on to say uh, human habitation. This is just so important to me. You know, it is just forgotten that, or at least I often overlook the fact that it's not just um, CO2 emissions. Like, Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, I think our background of where we grew up, um, the mountains of Colorado, uh, you can be in what you think is the middle of fucking nature and then still very vividly see the impacts that even small mines have 100 to 150 years later, you know? Yeah. Like there are, but there are rivers near where we grew up um, that still are not habitable by fish and things of that nature due to mine runoff. Coloration is still off, uh, obviously not um, suitable for life. Um, and that was with, in comparison today, very primitive mining technology. Um, yeah. The extent to which we can fuck up the environment uh, has increased quite a bit since it was like a five-person mine in the mountains of Colorado or whatever. Yeah, I mean, we are, um, once again, it seems like this is presenting, like, obviously our current lifestyles are not only sacrificing individuals alive today, um, but it is sacrificing future individuals as well. You know, we are setting up uh, future generations, in my opinion, for quite a fucking shit show. They're just going to have to deal with it. And obviously, these rare earth mines, for anywhere that they are set up, it's not like it's going to be 20 years after the mine shuts off, everything's going to be back to normal. The mass die-off of insects with populations decreasing by four-fifths in some areas is one part of this. The insect world is very poorly understood, but scientists suspect these die-offs and extinction events are only partially attributable to climate change, with human land use and pesticides a major culprit. Of the 2 billion tons of animal mass on the planet, 2 billion tons uh, with a B, insects account for half. Pull the pillars of the insect world away and the food chains collapse. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure everybody understands, but obviously there are quite, how the food chain works, there are quite a lot of animals that sustain themselves strictly off of insects for their food, uh, just as well as a lot of th other things that animals eat uh, require insect activity to continue going. Uh, obviously, bees need to pollinate, uh, worms need to churn soil, and there are all kinds of things that we obviously very much overlook uh, and yep. don't talk about like, and just don't know about also right and this is like a thing i've read before super ridiculously terrifying uh and because it's just thrown into 10 other ridiculously terrifying outcomes i often overlook that in my head that like literally we are causing fucking insects to go extinct as according to this article uh by four fifths in some areas that's i, I can't even fucking fathom that shit and so uh uh, the, one of the main reasons I think they bring that up is they segue into the next paragraph. Um, you know, obviously they were saying agriculture, things of that nature are a huge component to this. 
uh, and land use by humans. So the next statement is to replace current U.S. energy consumption with renewables, you'd need to devote at least 25 to 50 percent of the U.S. landmass to solar, wind, and biofuels. According to the estimates made by Vaclav Smil, the Grand Doyen of Energy Studies, uh, I'm going to pause right there because I have no idea what the fuck the Grand Doyen is. Uh, Dude, I'm looking up a doyen right now. I'm okay. I wonder if I shouldn't be sharing my uh, my screen right now. We don't know what's going to come up, dude. Yeah. That sounds like <laughs> something pretty sexual, honestly. Okay. The most respected or prominent person in a particular field. Nice, uh, dude. Word for the day. Doyen. Yeah, but what the fuck? But it. what That's, is the etymology? Like, where the fuck? Right, like, where are from? they? Like, they use Canada as an example, like the Dwayne of Canadian poetry. Right. What country are they? I'm assuming he's obviously uh, Slavic. I don't know a lot of other yeah. cultures. Somebody boxed off. Um, yeah, you, you can see my screen still, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, so. French word. Fuck me. Oh, Dean. Okay. Okay. That okay. uh, makes a lot more sense. God right. language is pretty cool. All right. Yeah, really. Being the grand doyen of energy studies, it's uh, no fucking small feat. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, 25 to 50% of U.S. landmass to solar. Two things going to my head. One, there is a shit ton of unused space in America. Uh, but which space would we pick to put this shit? Are we going to just cut into national parks or are yep. we going to clear some fucking empty mini malls? depending on which landmass we use that could maybe make things positive. Um, and then the, the other thing is uh, with that 25 to 50%, um, you know, they bring up solar, wind, and biofuels. Uh, those are radically different ways the land are used. Um, you know, I'm windmills, you know, we know Donald Trump is very upset by windmills. Um, but I, I think you could probably keep a lot of functioning things around uh, a windmill farm. Uh, I, I bet you you could still complete agriculture around a windmill farm. Um, this is also anecdotal, but my sister says um, she lives near uh, a few windmills. And she says for some reason, the cows really like to congregate underneath it. The grass is like a more vibrant color underneath it, which is maybe why the, um, the cows, cows are, are attracted to it. Yeah, uh, Obviously, solar panels, I think, would uh, make the land pretty unusable for anything but solar panels just due to the fact that uh, they're very from what I have seen uh, the solar people I've seen are, are pretty low to the ground um, but also the other the places that I've seen them uh, generally seem to be fairly deserty areas which obviously I think would be pretty ideal for that and then biofuels would obviously require a, a much more extensive use of the land um, you know I think you could probably put solar panels in fucking Death Valley in California and not change shit. Um, well, yeah, and that's, I was just going to say, um, it's about what you deem as change and what you view as um, worth, you know, saving. And, like, we wouldn't impact the human experience in Death Valley, but obviously that's going to, like, put it, I mean, there's a picture down below. Uh, right somewhere with all these solar panels that is going to change death valley you know i feel like if we were able to which I, to my knowledge we're nowhere near if we could construct solar panels that didn't leach minerals and shit into the ground as they you know age age yep. yeah obviously it would change shit but you know maybe it would just end up being like 
den covers for fucking field mice and shit. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm acting I, like I have no big deal. That's me being stupid. I have no fucking clue. It could totally destroy. Well, and, you know, and it, and we have to decide, like, I don't know, just covering that much landmass with stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I guess maybe most people don't have a problem with this, but if we're doing that, then it's clear that it's not like we're sharing this planet with other right. animals. It's like, this yeah, is our no, planet. Is. We are doing yes. our thing. Yes. And if you can somehow figure out a way to exist in our world, then great. But if right. not tough shit and like we saw with the insects tough shit might be the the end of us you know yes, yes. so uh, karma uh, uh, fucking karmically oh but no i'm just kidding what yeah. i would like to see is rather than than expanding out further if we could just incorporate stuff into the areas that we've already utilized right like solar panels on top of buildings and then you know i mean the other thing so I'm just going to keep going past the doyen of energy studies, uh, Vaclav Schmiel, who gave us that 25 to 50% statistic. Is there room for that and expanding human habitation? For that and pasture for a massive meat and dairy industry? For that and the forest we'd need to take carbon out of the air? Not if capitalism keeps doing the thing which it can't not keep doing. Grow. The law of capitalism is the law of more. More energy, more stuff, more materials. It introduces efficiencies only to more effectively despoil the planet. There is no solution to the climate crisis, which leaves capitalism's compulsions to growth intact. And this is what the Green New Deal, a term coined by that oily neoliberal Thomas Friedman, doesn't address. It thinks you can keep capitalism, keep growth, but remove the deleterious consequences. The death villages are here to tell you that you can't. No roses will bloom on that bush. That is just, like, perfect. We ended the recording kind of suddenly there, so I wanted to do a quick outro just saying that we enjoyed the article, obviously. Uh, as I talked about in the intro, there's some rambling, trailing off. There's not the best sound quality here, but obviously we had a good time with the article, and we hope that you all enjoyed it as well. Thank you.